All right, welcome back to Failure TV. Uh, this month, we are talking to former Corporate Citizenship Program Director of Disney Interactive and current founder and Chief Impact Officer at Vortovia. Uh, they specialize in social and environmental responsibility. Uh, welcome, Nicole Rustad. Nicole, how are you doing today? Great, thanks for having me on your program. Awesome. Thank you very much for participating. Um, because uh, kind of social responsibility isn't really a common thing for a lot of people, do you mind uh, explaining kind of what you did uh, for Disney Interactive and what you're doing now with your own company? Sure. So um, many people know that companies, uh, they're there to make a profit, but many companies also recognize that they have um, reason or they, they should be doing something to make a difference in their local and global uh, communities. So social responsibility is all about uh, taking care of uh, making sure that you're making a difference um, through your business and um, looking at all the stakeholders that might be impacted your, by your business and ensuring that you're leaving the world better off than it was before you found it. So at, at Disney, basically, I did the corporate social responsibility for Disney Interactive with team. And we created programs um, that would engage our audiences to make a difference. Um, we worked with our team members and our employees to roll out programs where they could make a difference. And uh, we worked with different nonprofit partners to support them in making their difference. Now through Vortovia, I consult to businesses on how to do the same. I also consult to nonprofits on how to really scale and drive their impact so that they can do even more good. And with individuals, I work with them to help them come up with a plan on how they can be most impactful in their social and, and giving back to this world. Thank you very much. I, I absolutely love what you do. Um, we've had uh, a discussion before on uh, being impactful and uh, making a difference in the world. And I love to see that um, people like yourself um, are actually helping companies figure out a way to do this because I really don't think there is enough people doing enough in the world for good to balance off uh, all the other stuff that we're doing and uh, to know that there's people out there that can help with that if uh, companies are looking on ways to do that is fantastic. Um, we had also talked previously about uh, the name of your company and, and the meaning. Uh, do you want to tell everyone about that? Sure. Virto means to change and via means the way. So to change the way. And it's really about bringing innovative solutions to people's social impact or companies' social impact or a nonprofit social impact so they can do even more good. And uh, that's exactly. where the, yeah, that's it's, exactly where it came from. It works so well on uh, on a couple of different levels, and uh, I love it when people actually have, you know, sometimes people just come up with a name because it sounds cool, but to, to have a name that actually has a really cool meaning that that serves what you're doing is is even better, and uh, kind of warms my heart a little bit when people put that extra <laughs> effort in uh, to do things like that. Now, of course, um, we're here to kind of talk about failure, success, uh, the paths to failure, and, and stuff like that. So. Um, in your history, uh, especially dealing with uh, a company like Disney on, on the size and the scale of that um, and working with other companies in, in your own role now, what, what do you kind of see as the, the biggest challenge or failure point for companies that are kind of looking to do good but aren't kind of sure where to start or aren't doing it correctly? I think the biggest thing for a company that's trying to drive social, social impact if 
they want to be successful, they need to be really authentic to uh, who they are um, and then look at what and how they can bring um, their mission to be aligned with a cause that, that, is a, that really makes sense to who they are as a company. So where I've seen things fail is when you have a company that's doing something that really isn't very aligned with all of their stakeholders as a business. So maybe it's a great cause, but it really doesn't make any sense um, as to why the business would be involved in that cause. So it needs to be authentic, it needs to be real to who the company is, and it's not um, just about one person in the company, but really about all your stakeholders, so your employees, your, um, your people that consume whatever it is you're creating, and uh, your shareholders, and basically everyone who's a part of your business. Absolutely. Um, have you ever seen anything where a company and it's like employees are really gearing towards a cause, but they're getting um, kind of backlash from something like investors? Because I know investors are always about the money, the profit, and that kind of stuff, whereas doing good will cut into their profits. Um, so I think there might be a little bit of a fine line when dealing with um, trying to do good and trying to keep investors happy. Have you seen any lashback from investors when companies are trying to do good things like that, or are they usually pretty accepting of that? Well, they have to see it as part of doing business. So um, at the very base level, when you're doing corporate social responsibility correctly, you're making sure that you're doing it as part of a protecting your business interests as well. So if you're wrecking the environment, for example, uh, just to produce whatever your product is, and uh, you know ultimately that's going to have an impact on your bottom line as a company when people sue you for that damage that you've done to the environment. So I think today um, shareholders are, and board members of companies are much more savvy to that. They recognize that companies do need to be making um, a difference, at least at the base level. Where it doesn't work is when the cause and the company and what the company does as a business are not really aligned. And I've seen uh, you know, examples of where you know, a well-intentioned plan has come about with a, between a company and a cause, but then it fails in implementation because it, it was so misaligned that there's a backlash. And I think one of the best examples of this was a few, few years ago, um, Cumin Breast Cancer Foundation and Kentucky Fried Chicken paired up to do a campaign. And it was going to, yeah, exactly. It's interesting because um, one of the biggest causes of breast cancer, or they believe it to be um, high fat food intake. And of course, Kentucky Fried Chicken is yummy, but maybe high fat and food and not so healthy. And I'm sure everyone at Kentucky Fried Chicken are well-intentioned and good people that really wanted to make a difference through this campaign for breast cancer because everyone's impacted by cancer. And I know as well that Human Breast Cancer Foundation does great work in helping people with cancer, but marrying those two things together in a campaign externally um, really um, fired for both organizations. So that's an example where um, you're marrying a cause and a company and it, there's really, it, it's misaligned and it, it doesn't actually achieve what you set it out to achieve. And, and not because there aren't great people on both sides and um, they're not well-intentioned, but it just authentically didn't match with who the company was and who the, the 
cause was. Yeah, yeah, um, especially, especially these days in social, social, social media, because yeah. because you never know how people are going to take it and how that's going Absolutely. to translate online. Yeah, like like for example, when BP, of course, big oil and gas company, changed their logo green. This is also a number of years ago. Um, they were they were essentially um, many of you probably heard of the um, term greenwashing. Uh, that was an example where it right away caused a backlash because you know BP's oil and gas, they're not a green company and maybe 0.1% of 1% of their profit is going to alternative energy at that time. So it, that again fell short because it really wasn't authentically aligned with who that company was. Yeah, and because we've talked a little bit already about the environment, uh, I really want to bring up one that has Definitely brought up a lot of news since it was announced, and that was um, the Volkswagen issue where they were basically bypassing the emissions control so they could get better ratings on their cars, when in reality their really good for the environment cars weren't so good. Um, how, how would you look at something like that from, from your perspective, especially, uh, dealing with this industry? Like, what, what kind of impact would that have uh, for Volkswagen and, well, and, and to their like, corporate, corporate environmental responsibilities? Yeah, I, I think that's a great example where it was absolutely wrong how they positioned the car as something that was green or greener than your average vehicle. And then uh, when, in the reality, they were actually just fudging the numbers. And I think it had a it had, did have a big impact on Volkswagen initially, and um, it's hard to say you know how quickly the brand will rebound. Maybe it already has. I don't even I'm not sure um, specifically with that case, but it certainly does have repercussions on you know the the way that people trust your brand, and uh, you know that's an example where it really has to come from the top and down so that. You know, that kind of thing is just not acceptable in a corporate environment. Absolutely. And uh, I read an article recently about it, and they were talking about um, whoever was in charge of their kind of uh, corporate social responsibility era. They were either colluding with them to, you know, make sure that these results got out there the way they were supposed to and not make them look bad, or they were not doing their job at all and just completely dropped everything on that uh, trying to, to get things done. Yeah, and that would be like a baseline for corporate social responsibility of where you really need to start. Uh, it, that should be the foundation. That, that, that shouldn't even ever be questioned or questionable that you're, you're saying one thing and delivering another um, and especially like trying to promote a product around that. Um, that, I mean, that's a disaster for any company um, to even think that they could do that and not have a big backlash and repercussions um, essentially for their bottom line and ultimately um, for the environment, which was what they were supposedly trying to help. Yeah, exactly. Now, when, when that happens to a company, uh, especially uh, like your previous example where um, you know, they, they were trying to do good, like the, the KFC and, and the breast cancer, you know, it was a concept, you know, I thought it was a good idea, but it totally backfired. When, when something like that happens, um, what do you think, these perspectives, um, did they handle it uh, 
in a good way or do you think they could have done things better? Like what, what do you think should happen in an instance like that? Should they come out? Should they apologize? Should they deal with it? What, yeah, what do you think absolutely. And today's day and age, you need to, you know, come out right away and, and, you know, hopefully you don't get to that point. And I think one of the things that can happen um, within a company or within any organization is you're so deep in your own world that you can't see the outside and how things might be perceived and what the optics look like. So that's usually where I would say you bring in a third party to help you assess that. Um, you know, it's sort of like when, um, uh, I believe it was, was it Pepsi in the summer that tried to do a campaign around um, people making a difference and protesting and that backlashed because again, yes. they, the optics didn't look authentic and real because it was more like they were just co-opting the entire um, you know, movements that were happening in you know across the United States and around the world, um, and that they weren't authentically doing anything that was real and tangible. Um, you know, like I think again, they were taking advantage. Exactly. That that was another example where maybe they needed to take a step back and uh, really assess from a, an outside perspective of how this might look. And if they were authentically doing work in that area and it made sense to who they were as a, as a company, then, you know, that's a good way to move forward. But to, to not do that, that's where you get into that hot water and you end up making um, mistakes that could you know, essentially backfire and make your brand um, look poor and not do a good thing for the cause that you're supposedly trying to help. So when it does happen, though, I think the bottom line is, you know, companies need to right away um, get out their message and and manage um, that, you know, the damage that, that has been done uh, and authentically do that and do if it's an apology that's needed, if it's pulling the ad, if it's you know, stopping the campaign, um, you know, they really do need to take a step back. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think another good example of that is um, recently, I think it was Corn Pops, uh, in a little bit of hot water, they did this mural of all these different Corn Pops living their lives and yes. trying to represent the American public. And yeah. they had one lone brown Corn Pop sweeping the floor. And it just kind of made a lot of people irate. <laughs> It did, and to their credit, they immediately were like, right away, they pulled that. Um, but clearly, um, they didn't have that sort of third party looking at this and looking at from what do these optics look like by, by doing what we're doing here. And uh, it did cause a huge backlash for them. It did. Um, and that's kind of how I found about it was because of the backlash. But the article that I read, um, really kind of played less on the on on the backlash and more the fact of how responsive that they were when something happened because they they, they were you were right very responsive as soon as um things started coming in they they were quick to pull it they were quick to say you know what new boxes will be released they'll be in stores before next week and you know we're sorry for this and that's uh, i think a huge thing from a public perspective as well absolutely and i mean hopefully if if you but if you're proactive with your corporate social responsibility and you take the time to really look at who your stakeholders are and who you are as a business and what, what causes you should be really rallying around and you put a strategy and plan in place around that, 
um, then you can really avoid some of these pitfalls so that you're not just doing something superficial or you're not just doing something that is going to um, you know, look inauthentic to your customers and to your audiences that you're, that you're working with around the world. Yeah, and that's a really tough thing, I think, uh, to do, not, not necessarily even on a, on a big corporate perspective, but even as, yeah. uh, as an individual or small companies, it, it can be really hard to find your voice and portray what you want in order for, for customers to be able to, to get that from you. And I've talked to different clients, and that's the same kind of thing I tell them is, you know, be yourself, you know. These days, especially when you're going online and everything else, there's so many different options out there. And especially in the world of shopping, people want to know who you are. Who am I buying from? So the same kind of thing goes for any kind of corporation, whether you're selling something or a service. You know, people want to know who you are, who you give back to, and it's going to resonate with them if you're on the same frequency. I know um, like Patagonia and Tom Shoes are two huge companies that people are very much aware of. Um, do really good social responsibility stuff and giving back and people buy specifically from them because they know they're doing good just by buying a pair of shoes. Somebody else is going to get a pair of shoes that needs it. Yeah. More and more consumers are looking at um, if they've got a choice between two products or two ways of doing things, they'll, they will choose the product uh, today that is more likely to have a social twist to it or a component or maybe authentically is just socially responsible that um, they can feel good about um, putting their money towards. Absolutely. Um, I, do, I do find that uh, quite a bit as well. Um, do you think that there's companies out there, there that are doing that? Um, they're trying out for that social responsibility. They're not quite hitting the mark and then they're not quite figuring out how to bypass that. Like, what would be a way that you would uh, try and help a company that is is struggling in that area, like to, to overcome that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've seen with most companies is that what they're doing is very ad hoc. So it's it's more reactive is is how they're approaching their social responsibility because of course just having a business, there's many different things that you have to consider at all times, and so they're either going at it with an ad hoc approach where um, an organization approaches them for support, they give some support, they go down a track, or maybe some uh, a leader internally has a pet cause and they end up going after, you know, supporting that cause because someone internally is very strongly supporting that cause, or um, maybe they're just being reactive because say um, something has been identified as not being environmentally friendly in their supply chain or something's been uncovered by the media that says that you know they're they're not doing things well and then they just react so um, I think the first step is always taking that step back and saying you know who are we as a business who are our stakeholders um, how are we impacting um, the planet and people on it how can we by do, doing what we're doing actually leave the planet better better off and potentially um, support a local and global communities that we are in touch with on a day-to-day -day basis as a business. And I think if you take that approach, then you're really building a strong foundation for your company for the long term so that um, 
when someone comes at you for uh, you know, environmental reason or social reason, um, for better for better or worse, um, you've already got something in place to say, well, actually, you know, we're, we are addressing this, and here's how we're addressing it, and we are supporting our local communities. Here's how we're doing that. So again, I really believe it's about being proactive and doing the planning. Um, sitting down and doing the strategy based on who you are as an organization and who your stakeholders are. Yeah. Now, because you've already mentioned BP, is is it beneficial for a company like BP to get into something like corporate responsibility or social responsibility? Like, is is that even going to like if they got into it and they got into it even in a big way? Would that be enough to kind of? change people's perceptions about them maybe or would you recommend that they that a company like that that is just you know yes they provide people with something that we need but there's other things that can be done better would you even recommend they even try and do something like that or is it just going to be like people seeing them as wearing a mask all the time i mean it's never going to work unless they really seriously put money into alternative forms of um fuel that are not as impactful on the planet as oil and gas are. But absolutely, um, BP or any company should look at what can they do um, based on what they are doing. So for example, how are they going and exploring for um, oil and gas in other countries? Um, is that impacting local populations? Are they hiring people at uh, a fair wage? Um, do they have diversity within their organization? Are they supporting local communities where they are working and making an impact? Are they leaving those local communities in a better off place or a worse off place by them having been there? So that definitely, I think every company should have a social responsibility um, plan in place and they should be activating around that. Um, the bigger question is, is the company ethical at its heart in that is this um, product going to be one that is going to leave the planet a better place? At this time, we don't have a way of making oil and gas leave the planet a better place. Um, but maybe they need to start looking at and putting and investing more money into how can we make this more sustainable? How can we, um, how can we look at funding um, different alternative fuel sources um, from the profits that we do make so that one day when um, when the gas and the oil runs out, um, our business is sustainable because we've put money into sustainable and alternative fuels, uh, and we've supported those all along the way. So they should be doing it, and um, but they shouldn't just slap a green logo on on themselves and say that they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I remember when that came out, uh, having done graphic design, uh, there was a lot of uh, discussion about it in graphic design groups. Um, but you brought up another interesting point there that uh, I wanted to kind of dive into, and that is um, dealing with um, other countries and things like manufacturing and paying decent wages and stuff like that. So um, Samsung, Apple, all the big names have been um, – they've had people go after them because of the low wages in China, but the – the company that they all use, Foxconn, is already known as being one of the best places to work out of all these places. So it, it may be low wage and everything, but it's already like the top of the game there. And that's the thing that always kind of bothered me that 
competitors continue to go after Apple and Samsung because they've got the big company. But, you know, what about all these smaller companies that are using these other places? What about these other places that are way worse than Foxconn? And why aren't you trying to get these companies, you know, to, to build up to at least get to the point of Foxconn? Like, for, from your perspective, like, w- would that be considered a failure? Like, how, how do you deal every day knowing that so much could be done in this area, but you just can't get people to, to wrap their heads around it, I guess? Yeah, you know, like, I think it's natural for people to go after the bigger companies, um, because that is where they're going to get the press. So if you are uh, out there, you know, campaigning against a big company, uh, the big companies are held to a higher standard. And it's, it's because... They're going, their name will end up in the press. Um, I do believe it has a ripple-down effect to those other companies that are maybe not as um, as great um, in what they do. Uh, but I, I, you know, like the protesters are doing it very systematically because they know they're going to get press if they're doing it to a bigger company, and uh, you know to to try and campaign against a smaller company that's maybe a worse offender, uh, they may get some press around that, but certainly they'll get more press if it's a bigger, more recognizable brand. And um, it it does, you know, prompt the bigger companies to put their CSR um, into the limelight and uh, put some effort towards it which can really help develop best practices and standards for entire industries. So a lot of, a lot of businesses today are actually working with government and working with um, special interest groups to um, help make a difference. And a great example of that was um, the Walt Disney Company. Um, the Rainforest Alliance actually changed themselves to the outside of the Walt Disney Company. Uh, outside of Disneyland, and this is a number of years ago. And they did it because uh, Rainforest Alliance had discovered some uh, genetic material from old growth forests in the packaging. And Disney, rather than just denying it or anything else, they actually, the Walt Disney Company and their Disney Conservation Group, um, they actually uh, worked with those um, Uh, different organizations to come up with a paper policy that they then um, within a few years had adopted globally across the entire company and were speaking at different conferences around the world and to governments around the world to help bring up the standards. So so they did a great job of that and they were able to influence uh, governments and, and other companies on how they manage their papers. So so yeah, that's that's a really awesome story because normally when you hear about people painting themselves to stuff, uh, it doesn't usually end that well. <laughs> for I know. Oh. Well, you d- definitely have to embrace it if you see that there's an issue and you're part of that issue. Um, I think the best companies uh, act and take it seriously and and say, yeah, we've got an issue and we'd like to solve it and work with you to solve it. And I think that's where you can really make a difference. Absolutely, like uh, mad respect for Disney for doing something uh, to that scope and level. And it would be great if other corporations would do the same. Um, I was actually just thinking, like, if if companies like Apple and Samsung and everything, and you know, when people are going after them, 
to, to talk to other people in their industry and go, look, people are coming after us right now, but you could be next. So, you know, prepare yourself now, like start getting everything more in order now. It may cost you a little bit more now, but in the future, you're going to be a more sustainable, better company. You're going to leave a more sustainable, better world for everyone and just kind of help spread that love out. One of my favorite um, examples of it was Ray Anderson and Interface Carpets. And uh, he um, has passed away subsequently, but uh, basically uh, Interface Carpets, uh, I believe it still is, but at the time was the largest carpet manufacturing company in the world. And uh, um, he was the CEO of the company and really paid no attention to their environmental footprint or what they were doing. And uh, basically, he started in the 80s to hear people saying, you know, what are we doing about our environmental footprint and how are we handling our, the environment? And he, he said in interviews, he really didn't care at that time because they were making a profit. Um, they were doing well as a company and to him, so what? And then um, the head of um, his environmental action board in his company came to him and said, you know, we're forming this group, we're, we're gonna look at our environmental footprint, can you come and kick off the meeting? And he was at a loss as to what he would say at this meeting because he really had no opinion and didn't care at that point. And um, he ended up picking up a, a book that fell across his desk and in it he read um, a phrase, the death of life, and how corporations, um, if they continue with their practices, um, and humanity itself were causing the death of life. And he said it struck him like a spear through his heart. And he ended up embarking his company on this amazing journey um, that um, the company is still continuing today to become sustainable, where they, they want to be a company that is net zero on their impact to the earth. And carpet manufacturing is one of the most um, chemical-dependent uh, types of industries that's out there. And he said, you know, as a company, you do have to ask at some point if, if we're doing something that's not going to have a net zero impact on the earth, then maybe we shouldn't be doing it. And he said, yeah. like, if, if we don't start doing something now, then at some point in the future, uh, future generations are going to be suing our company and we're not going to exist. And frankly, the planet will not be in a good place. So um, I really take inspiration from business leaders like that who have realized, wow, you know, we do have a problem and they've, they've turned it around. Absolutely. And um, we had talked once before about an idea that I had for people trying to do or to get into the idea of doing good because there's so much that you could be doing and there's so many different possibilities, everything else, but you know, what do you do? Where do you get started? And to do the do good dollar. So one dollar from cake or every invoice that you generate through your company, you put towards a local cause, like the food bank or a woman's shelter or something like that. And I think if if more companies started that and did that, even from that smaller scale, then the the, the longer they stay in business, then the more they realize what kind of impact that they're making and try and move forward. So similar to how he had his aha moment from a book, you could have the same kind of thing from doing little bits of small things here and there and watching it 
kind and of go I, up. I, I believe, you know, it, it's, it's everyone's responsibility. And, yet, you know, to everyone, it can seem very overwhelming because we are faced with a barrage of problems that are in the world. But I tell every single person, just do one thing. So whatever that is, you just do your one thing. And it does cumulatively make a huge impact. And, you know, any movement, any big change uh, does start with one person doing one thing. And it does have a ripple effect. It does make a difference in the long run. Uh, you know, you just have to look at, say, the rate of smoking or um, many different examples in society where, uh, you know, the movement started you know, 20 years ago, and now it's made that difference, um, whether it was drinking and driving or smoking or many other things. So it is possible to make a huge difference if every single person takes it on and does just one thing to leave the planet a better place. Yeah. Uh, as a former smoker, I, I can attest to that uh, yeah. growing up, uh, seeing the differences. Like when I was a kid, I would be one of like four dozen kids at a stoplight whose parents were smoking with the window that far down. Yeah. And these days, like, you're rarely going to see somebody Absolutely. smoking out in public, period, let alone in a car with the windows rolled up with the kid in the back. Exactly. So <laughs> it really can be, be those little things. Um, now, from a business perspective, um, when you talk to your clients and, um, you know, you're setting a plan and, and stuff like that with them, is something that you'll talk about is how to get the information out. Like, do you think it's a good idea for companies to publicize that they're doing this? And if so, how much or how little? Because I know that some people will see it, um, to use the term they used before, greenwashing. Um, so when BP changed their logo to green, greenwashing. So it was a little change, but they saw it in a really bad way. So, you know, how do you kind of talk to your clients about how to do good without making it seem like that's the only reason you're doing it is, oh, look at how good we are um, kind of thing. So if, they, if a company is doing it authentically and they are actually putting their money where their mouth is, then the publicity they get off of that is not going to cause any sort of backlash. And it sets, it shows, it sets an example for other companies and, and other people to do the same thing. So as long as the company has uh, really authentically, they're, they're supporting something authentically and in a real way, and um, they've integrated that into all aspects of their business. You know, I think back to um, Club Penguin, uh, which was founded by three um, men um, who decided that they wanted a safe online space for kids to play. It would be ad-free uh, and, and safe for kids um, in the online world. Uh, that was authentically, truly socially responsible, and uh, and it grew um, by the nature of you know parents recognized it as a great place for their kids to be online, and ultimately Disney bought that um, because they saw it as such a a great example of an, a company that had authentically built social responsibility into its very fabric, and um, ultimately was able to activate kids around making a difference through that platform. So. If a, if a company can be real about what they do, uh, then absolutely they should be talking about it and um, there won't be backlash because they actually can show behind the scenes what they're doing to make that difference. Excellent. That's, that's really good to hear because uh, I, I know that that is a concern for, for some people that I've talked to is, 
well, I'm doing this, you know, how, how do I make it do? And I, I pretty much have told people that have asked me that pretty much the same thing is, you know, be authentic, be yourself, um, let yourself shine through, you know, you may be shy, but yeah. it's definitely worth overcoming that. And, you know, the, your example of Disney earlier uh, kind of makes that point too, that even though they had that big failure, had a whole bunch of people chained to their thing, a lot of really bad press, they were able to completely turn that around and not only fix the small thing of the people chained to their front, but do such a huge impactful thing on top of that to, to kind of continue on. Um, in your own experiences, kind of, what would you say would have been your that you were able to overcome in the in this area like what I personally uh, did I um, and that was a failure and then I overcame it uh, either personally or in in the business side of things uh, either in your own company or, or for another company I think you know just thinking back to many years ago um, I um, was a founder of an organization that was um, called the Okanagan Junior Chamber and it was a leadership development organization for young women between uh, 18 and 40. And our very first project that we were doing um, for a fundraiser was an absolute flop. It completely failed. Uh, there was nothing about it that was redeeming. The, um, it was a disaster from start to finish. And we were really in our infancy as an organization and uh, that, what I learned from that was even in the biggest failures, it can um, bring you together, it can bring your, your team together, and you can make something great um, from it. And uh, in that case, it actually gelled our organization together. Um, we ended up um, becoming a very successful chapter, and I don't know that we would have been so successful if we hadn't had this one big failure at the very beginning that we learned from and gelled together around and rallied around and ultimately um, uh, were able to make a, a bigger difference and a bigger impact um, because of our experience from the failure. So I, I've always said learn by doing because uh, that is the best way to advance yourself uh, personally, professionally, and and as a business, and certainly you're gonna have times um, when you are, you know, you make a mistake, you know, you've gotta go back, um, look at it and see, you know, where did that go and how did it how did it go and how can I do it better next time or, or do a different way, a path. And uh, that's how you become uh, better um, as a person and, and better as a business. Absolutely. That's uh, an amazing story. And the fact that, you know, failure uh, basically helped you succeed um, when, you know, you thought everything was lost and then were able to completely flip that around. You know, that's uh, kind of stories that we're looking for with Fear TV to, to, to share with people because there are lots of people out there that will hit that failure and think that, you know, that's the end. We, we can't do anymore. But, you know, to, like you said, rally around and be like, you know what? Let's we, we can do this. So screw that failure and screw all the rest <laughs> of the failures because pretty much everybody that I've ever talked to that has succeeded in anything had to go through some stages of failure in order to do that. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's huge. <laughs> yeah, totally. Awesome. So one more thing before we go here. 
if you could give anybody a piece of advice that's getting started in the social responsibility area uh, for their business, um, tell them to, to get started. What, what would be a good piece of advice? I would start with uh, really thinking about who your stakeholders are in your business and how that relates to your um, to your community. And maybe you're a local business, so that's your local community. Uh, maybe you're a global business, so that's your global community. Or look at your stakeholders and um, what's important to them and how does that fit into your business. And that's your starting place for um, building a social responsibility plan that really resonates and is authentic and real to who you are as a company. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nicole. Uh, you've been an amazing guest. Uh, we've had some great discussion today, and I really hope that uh, not only it'll help overcome some people's failures, but also inspire some uh, companies and individuals to help give back a little more as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Craig. No problem. Thank you very much. And uh, to everyone out there, uh, we'll see you next month.